Did Spotify really purge a million tracks? Elvis Costello penned the lyrics, radio is a sound salvation, radio is cleaning up the nation, which infamously led him to being banned from SNL for 12 years. We're not gonna talk about that, but we are gonna talk about radio. So let's get to it. Welcome to Music Industry City's Tuesday Talk. We're going to discuss what's going on in the world of music business. I'm Peter Schwing, and joining me is my co-host, Sam Tall. If there's something you'd like to chime in about, join us in the chat or uh, leave, leave some comments below. Uh, it's okay. You don't have to be shy. We want to hear what you want to talk about, you know, and we'll get some other people on. And, like, we have a great conversation, chit-chat. We also stick around for the after show. Um, sometimes what we do is after we run the end credits, we magically reappear. And uh, that's when, if you're in the chat, you get to ask us some behind the scenes questions, kind of like that off the record, but we're kind of on the record. So anyway, coming up on today's show, we have a special guest, Adam Lewis, CEO of Planetary Group. It's a leading, uh, leading artist development and promotions firm that focuses on helping new and upcoming artists be heard and discovered through radio, online PR, and Spotify playlisting. Recently, he's worked with such acts as Soccer Mommy, I'm a big fan. Uh, Arlo Parks, Courtney Barnett, Kate LeBond, The Districts, Fitz in the Tantrums, and Portugal the Man. Uh, we're going to do a dig deep into why radio is still important. But first, Spotify. Uh, the other day, industry veteran Wallace Collins posted an article claiming that Spotify enacted a massive global takedown of music from thousands of independent artists. Quote, and this is going to be the quote here. Upon information and belief, some 750,000 songs were removed, the vast majority of which appears to have used DistroKid for distribution. It appears no major label artists have been affected, nor has any major label been taken down as part of this purge. Let's turn to Sam Tall with his thoughts on this. Sam, how you doing? Hey, Peter. Hey. I'm doing well. How are you doing? Good, good. So uh, this was interesting. And I mean, that's a pretty bold statement, yeah. uh, almost a three quarters of a million. Um, you know, I, I do I do want to just before uh, I get into it, I just want to also post up because this ties it all together. Um, mm -hmm. The Spotify FAQ, and it states any service that claims to offer guaranteed placement on playlists on Spotify in exchange for money are in violation of our terms and conditions and they shouldn't be used. So there's a lot to talk about. I know there's like gaming the system, there's playlisting, there's there's the Wolfpack silent album, there's people that are doing just meditate, like recording the sound of a fan. Right. Um, there's a lot going on. So uh, give me a quick little rundown. Like, you know, what what is it that you went that caught your eye on this article? So a couple of things. Firstly, there's sort of this conjecture that there's 750,000 tracks, all independent, no major, mostly using DistroKid. Uh, and it's what a what a travesty for independent artists. And Spotify seems to have done this with no sort of like rhyme or reason or really notice or any that kind of stuff. Okay. That's not <laughs> a fair read of what happened. Uh, firstly, if Spotify decides that they want to purge a bunch of white noise tracks or algorithmically generated music that doesn't constitute like real artistry, uh, and we're not talking about like the epidemic sound, like fake artists scandal from a couple of years ago, those aren't fake artists. That's just production music. 
But we're talking about like actual fake music that's like computer generated algorithmically and not actually created with an artistic intent, but purely for the purposes of scraping uh, engagement off the platform, diverting revenues from the pool model away. Uh, you know, longtime viewers of this show will re will kind of hear the dog whistle in that. I'm a big fan of of the the user centric payment models, and this is a big reason why. Um, but the sort of argument that this doesn't affect majors and so that's an independent artist's problem is like, well, major labels by and large aren't signing white noise, algorithmically generated sound companies, right? So of course it's not going to impact them. It's not because it's, you know, Spotify's like, oh, well, we need to protect the majors and our shareholders. They sold a lot of their equity. It's not even that big of a deal anymore. Um, of course, this is going to impact creators that use DistroKid. DistroKid is one of the cheapest options in the marketplace for funneling a boatload of music all at once into the system. So it's not like they're targeting DistroKid. They're just targeting things that happen to be on DistroKid by and large because it's more expensive to be someplace else. The second thing that really kind of bugs me about this is Spotify is playing trash collection uh, instead of proactively engineering something that prevents this. So, yeah, Spotify did the right thing, by, in my opinion, by trying to clean up what's going on, try to disrupt a lot of what's happening around like bot streams and paid plays and like faking the system to try and scrape out some revenue from a model that is set up to pay out based on usage and not based on engagement. But uh, as Peter Slattery over at One Zero said, uh, reported over the span of multiple weeks and possibly months, basically kind of writing what he calls the cheater's guide to Spotify. Uh, you can basically game Spotify's rather rudimentary search engine. So if you, for example, create a playlist that's called, you know, Joker soundtrack 2019, people are going to think that might be the album or a star is born soundtrack official, whatever you can use the artwork because it's user generated content. You can put a lot of the tracks on there and then fill it with stuff that's not even related to the film. And you can garner streams that are totally fake. And that's a legitimate enough use of the platform because it's a user-generated playlist. And maybe it infringes some trademarks around the film company, but it's not Spotify that has to you know, police that. And so as a result, uh, Spotify is happy to let it happen. But it's also a big part of why Spotify, which originally was very adamant about supporting user-generated playlists and community curation realize like that might not be the best way forward. And they've really overemphasized the sort of their own in-house editorial and curation. Um, so aside from that, Spotify is supposed to limit the delivery of content that has metadata comprising almost entirely of like SEO catchphrases, but apparently that's not what's happening. They're not necessarily doing you know the cleanest job of getting that off the system and so you end up with large purges like this which make for juicy headlines but in reality are just normal garbage collection so that's kind of like my read on it uh, you know dealing with a lot of the ugc stuff that i do in the youtube sense i you know i'm very sort of in touch with uh the drek that appears on platforms uh that are open to user delivery and so spotify by virtue of cheap distribution is one of them. Um, but at the same time, I we don't know yet, and we may not ever know if this impacted any any legitimate artists unfairly. Uh, my guess is that if that were the case, we'd hear about it at some point soon. And uh, if it's not the case, Spotify is just going to not 
say very much about this and just call it normal procedure. Just like when they test new features that people don't like, they say, oh, it's just a normal test. Right. And, and you know, Spotify uh, released a statement saying it was more like tens of thousands as opposed to 750,000. So, you, you know, you, you, yeah. it's like th th this is, you know, real big difference between those numbers. And I mean, there I seems to be no source for where that number came from in the first right. place. Exactly. It's sort of just like upon information and belief, it's like whose information and what belief. Right. And, and then to, to even take it next to another level is that the, cl the claim that it seemed to be mostly on DistroKid. Now, I mean, is he taken from a small sample size of like artists that he works with? And let's look at the relationship of Spotify and DistroKid. Right. I mean, Spotify relies on DistroKid for a lot of quality independent content. And so, aren't they part owner? Doesn't Spotify have uh, they, they a have, Yeah, they took kind of equity, I think. Yeah, mm -hmm. and invested in DistroKid. And and frankly, that's that's a good thing. But mm -hmm. uh, in my opinion, but at the same time, like it's there's no doubt that DistroKid's whole business model is based on uh, volume regardless of performance. Uh, it's good business to be in. Um, mm -hmm. But at the same time, it enables sort of access to a marketplace that maybe isn't uh, ideal. I don't know whose responsibility that ends up having to be, whether it's Spotify, DistroKid, or the uh, people who are actually delivering the content. Exactly. So we're gonna uh, we're gonna circle back around in, in, in a little bit to uh, to flesh out this conversation even uh, a little bit more because uh, we have a person that a special guest that is. He knows about playlisting. He also knows a lot about radio. So I'm going to kick on over to him. Thanks, Sam. All right. So uh, Adam Lewis is no stranger to the business. Before launching Planetary Group, he was Northeast Sales and Promotion Manager for TVT Records, working with Seven Dust, Guided by Voices, The Black Crows, and Snoop Dogg. Not too shabby. He knows his way around marketing and radio. Please welcome Adam Lewis. Adam, how are you? Good to see you. I'm well. Yeah, hey. well, thanks. Good Oh. Last time I saw you was at a conference in real life, and that was a long, long time ago. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, no, that's, it's, I mean, it's the longest I've been in one place at, at one time uh, since I was probably in, in high school. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm normally, uh, normally traveling nonstop, going to festivals, conferences, seeing bands, uh, you know, flown over two million miles but uh not in the last year so mm -hmm. you know my well, my last trip was my last trip was new colossus in in march and right uh, in new york they got that the in shutdown. yeah they got that in just kind of in that gray area yeah. shutdown it was like yeah. that week <laughs> i love those guys and and i understand why they did it i mean they, it was really like probably shouldn't have happened <laughs> I mean, yeah. but, you know, I mean, I mean, I was in pianos and it was a weird thing because I was in New York and people are still hugging and shaking hands and wanted to, you know, come up and, and lean into you at a show and like talk to you. And they're like basically spinning on you, you know, <laughs> whereas, in, you know, I'm coming from L.A., I was used to we had already stopped doing that two or three weeks earlier, right. you know, no shaking hands or any of that. Uh, and, and I was just shocked how packed it was at, at pianos. I actually only stayed for one band. I had clients playing that, that, that night. I walked mm -hmm. out. I just felt so unsafe. And I was proven right because one of the performers that night did get sick and uh, uh, caught it at that yeah, so, event. And, and yeah, so anyway, that was my last conference, but not to go off track. <laughs> Nothing. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, the, it was weird to be in New York 
opportunity when you know Broadway closed, NBA closed, like that. That was mm-hmm. a crazy moment time in history uh and i got the hell out of there i got on the next play out <laughs> <laughs> yeah well you would have been you would have been possibly stuck in new york <laughs> well, that was my fear i was like yeah. having to drive back to la you know trying to get a rental <laughs> <laughs> oh well you finally would get that cross-country trip you always dreamed about doing but you've been on you've been on the road before you've been on the road before so you've seen enough so um i've seen every yeah. Rest up. <laughs> so, so what, you know, one thing, uh, and, and it's always a pleasure to see like, uh, on Facebook, I know you always do the, this like hashtag radio promo one oh one, and right. yeah. And, and that was one of the things It was kind of like, it's such simple advice for artists and people in the industry. And I mean, there's, so, I can imagine like the absurd emails that you've received over your course in the career. It's like, Hey, I want to be on radio. I want to be top 40. I want to be these markets and I'm releasing it next week. How do we make this happen? So, yeah. you know, you know, it, the, those kind of things and then setting expectations. But but the big question that and it's been going for years and now we're like as we've been going more and more into Spotify and digital and everything, you know, terrestrial radio. So when we talk about radio, uh, you know, I, I know you have you know, I want you to get to like, you know, what you, you have to say about radio. But I just want to clarify for everybody listening. It's like we're discussing terrestrial radio, the stuff that. You're listening in the car. You're listening. You have to dial, turn the knob to find it. This isn't the SoundCloud radio, the Pandora, Spotify radio, tune in. So, so let, let me first, you know, why is radio still important? Yeah, so you have to look at it, you know, you have to look at radio in, in the different formats of radio, right? So, you know, commercial radio is a very different thing than non-commercial radio. So, you know, as an independent artist, as a new artist, your options for exposure on commercial radio are very limited. But non-commercial radio is fantastic. You know, and, and people, so many people think, oh, radio's dead, or, you know, no one, no one listens to radio anymore. Listen, at the end of the day, there's still a lot of people listening to radio. The numbers are still there. You know, they, they may not be the, the, the glory days of radio, but there's still a hell of a lot of places uh, playing uh you know, music out there. And if you do it right, if you target it right and go after the right formats, as a new artist, still a great place to start, really supported place to start and get, start getting some attention. So, you know, when you start thinking about, you know, KXP in, in, in Seattle and KCRW here in Los Angeles and at WFUV in New York, I mean, these are stations that believe in presenting and curating all types of great new music and new artists. And, you know, there's a lot of stations out there that do that. And, you know, that those type of stations have real DJs, real programmers that are picking actual music to play. And it's not, you know, a syndicated show or a computer algorithm. You know, Top 40 is a wasteland, right? But non-commercial radio and college radio can be great. You know, there's great curation there and great DJs that care about what they're presenting. So in that sense... It's radio still great. Plenty of people, you know, still listening. Listening habits have obviously changed a little bit this past year. People are listening online. They're listening on their apps. They're listening, you know, they're listening on TuneIn and, and whatnot. Uh, they're not, you know, they might not be listening to the morning show like they mm-hmm. were even at non-com. They're listening to the midday show and the afternoon shows and whatnot. Uh, people still do want curation, right? And people do want a sense of community, you know, and, and I think radio can still provide that and good, good radio can provide that, you know, commercial radio, 
you know, they're just so dumb. They just keep cutting costs and just making, mm. you know, trying to have one day do 50 shows on 50 different stations that there's no, there's no reason to listen to that. No one's going to sit around to hear the, the, the top 20 countdown chart when they can just hit it, hit it on Spotify in a second. Right. But that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about non-commercial radio. We're talking about true curation. You know, that area is still fantastic for for certain type of uh, artists to get, get the ball rolling. And it's a supportive place. You know, a lot of these mm -hmm. people that are working at these stations, they're working for free or they're low paid, you know, they're volunteering and they, they should be getting paid. If they are getting paid, they should probably be getting paid double, but yeah. they're doing it out of passion. And these are the people that you want to be embracing your new, your new art, your new artist, right? They're, they're going to spread, spread the word. And uh, that's, what's great about it. And right. then that's what's really supportive about it. Yeah, and like, you know, we have out, uh, you know, on Long Island, but New York, uh, Stony Brook, WUSB, which yeah. that that format is all over the place. It cover, you know, it covers everything and the kitchen sink. But you know, I was tuning in as like Rock and Robin was filling in as, as a host. Like, and you still get these class, you know, some of the classic people that are still like, they're playing some of their favorites. They're playing like, oh, let's have the prog rock hour or here. But also there's, they are in, they're they're in there playing new music to expose you to that. I mean, years ago, uh, you know, going back to probably like you know eighties and nineties, commercial radio still had the opportunity to be a station that broke a genre. But now those stations and the way the formats are, like if I tune into BCN today, it, they're still well, playing. The, well, well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but the last time I tuned into them, like what you know, what like a couple of years ago, I'm just, and I'm using this as a reference was it was still like you know, twenty year, you know, twenty years later, I, I would tune in, and I was like, oh, I wonder what they're up to these days, and they were still playing the same exact set list that I was listening to when I was wearing flannel, picking up records at Newberry Comics. So in this day and age, you can't, you, the commercial stations can't break. So aren't, aren't you don't have that opportunity to be the breakers of this new genre. Uh, so like, like I said, like non-commercial college radio. So how does one, like, what is, how do you approach this? I mean, you know, artists can, you know, go out and try to reach the program director or they use, go through a company like yours. So tell us a little bit like yeah. what your, you know, what Planetary Group does and, you know, what your process, like how do you approach something like that and working with an artist? Like when an artist approaches you, what are the expectations set and what are you looking for if you were to work with somebody? Yeah, I mean, listen, we want to work with something that's great and interesting and fun and different and that we think we can get airplay for, right? I don't want to call up about, I'm not going to, it keeps us honest. I'm not going to send shit out there because, you know, people aren't going to take my phone calls, right? So, you know, we want to work with, with good stuff. Um, you know, expectations have to be in line in that if you're a brand new artist, you're generally not going to get played on the biggest stations right from the get-go. You have to, you know, radio is like anything and that you have to, uh, work on building a relationship and uh, awareness, you know, at the format. Um, but it's really straightforward. You know, we're using our relationship with these stations to get people to listen to music, right? So we're sending them music every week. We send them music 50 weeks out of the year, and we've been sending them music for 25 years. So they know what, why we're sending them stuff. They know why we're calling. They're used to getting material, you know, from us. Uh, and we're using our relationship to get them to listen to it. And hopefully they'll play it, you know, but more importantly, you know, we'll get feedback from them, see what they think, see how it's, see how it's going. Uh, you know, I can't make someone play a record. 
Uh, all I can do is make sure they listen to it and give us a, give it a fair shake and give us uh, feedback. Uh, the you know at the end of the day, the music has to stand on its own feet, and uh, and hopefully it's well received. Obviously, we try to put ourselves in the best position possible, uh, you know, to get to get those results, uh, you know, from folks. So we're looking for stuff that's interesting that we think can work at the format. You know, the good thing about college and non-com is that there is a lot of diversity. You can work a singer songwriter. There are, you know, there's there's shows that that have singer-songwriter shows. There's folk shows, singer-songwriter shows, uh, acoustic shows. There's heavy metal shows, hip-hop shows, metal shows, electronic shows, uh, women in music, um, world music, reggae. You know, like you can work lots of different styles of music. I always use the example a couple of years ago, we had uh, the final album from Motorhead going for ads at radio the same week as we had a new album from the Blind Boys of Alabama with Bonnie Bear. So I had a gospel record and a heavy metal record starting at the exact same time at radio. Uh, you know, you can't do either of those at commercial radio, but at non-com, both of those records did really well. You know, and, uh, uh, you know, that, that's the joy of that format is you can work really fun fun and different things mm -hmm. uh, there. So, so, yeah, I mean, I encourage people to try to do some radio on their own. I mean, you know, you can always... If you're a band in a certain market, you can always reach out to your college stations in those markets and try to get some airplane, and you probably will get some. It'll drive you a little nuts because dealing <laughs> with students and their busyness and their office hours and, and whatnot, you know, is not easy. And that's really right. what you're hiring a company like us for is that we know the best way to contact every station. You know, some stations only want to be called. Some only want to be emailed. Some have office hours between two and three on the third Tuesday of the month. You know, and and it makes life hard. Mm -hmm. You know, so but we know all of that. So we know how to we know how to reach folks, and that will you know that will when you're doing it yourself will drive you crazy. Uh, I always like it when someone has done a campaign themselves because uh, when they call us for the next record. They'll generally hire us because I know they don't want to. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they're like, yeah. I don't the want to do that again. I'm all for DIY. We all kind of come out of that world mm -hmm. in the beginning, right? I managed a band and was in the van and all of that. I, I know what it is. Uh, radio is one of the smartest things to outsource because it takes so much time mm -hmm. and you have to repeat it every single week. You know, there's 200 plus stations out there you know, 300, depending on how aggressive you're being. Uh, and they all have to be called every single week. And if you're going to do that, that is literally the only thing that you're going to work on for your band and for your artist at that time for a two month period while you're working your record, because there's no time for you to work on songwriting, rehearsing, booking shows, anything else that you might be doing. You have to call the stations every single week because right. there's a new chart every week and you're playing that game. So it really is the smartest thing to kind of outsource if you can, if it makes sense. Mm -hmm. you know, well, I always stuff. look at it as many artists, they get to the release date and they that's when they stop. They they haven't thought yeah. about it. And that's when you, is the time to let it go is to put it in other people's hands to take it like and so you can go focus on your next you know what if you're when we get back to live like if you're going to go do a tour cycle or you're going to do a series of uh, online live streamed events or concert series or something like that in this day and age um i mean i, I love using yeah. radio for for looking for shows you know if you're mm -hmm. getting airplay in 20 different markets across the country and good markets that you could you know get to on a, on a pretty easy mm -hmm. Basis, you know, now you got a reason to play that 
play those markets. If you if you pair that up with your Spotify research, maybe five of those ten are really strong markets. Now you've got a reason to go to that city, and you can get the station involved in the show. You can get an mm-hmm. interview at that station, and you have an advocate in the market for you that's helping to bring people out. You know, mm-hmm. and and that. So I'm a big fan of doing stuff like so, that. So, 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 re- so really interesting. I want to I want to bring Sam back up here because, you know, we we had we were talking about the Spotify playlists and the conversation for the last few years has always been how do I get on a playlist? How do I get on a playlist? How do I get up? without the conversation so much as radio? So I want to kind of bring these uh, in here together. So let's bring Sam back up. Sam, how you doing? All hey, right. Adam, it's a pleasure to, to to hear your thoughts and to talk to you. Yeah, likewise. Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, I, I do want to just start off with just um, the Spotify playlisting. And, you know, uh, Adam, you, you heard what we were talking about a little bit. Like, you know, what are your thoughts on this uh, on this the system on the you know, there's a difference between hiring a promote like a promotions company to help get you Spotify playlists as opposed to hiring a company that says we guarantee you a million plays in the, in the next month. Yeah. Well, I, I, I would, I'd kind of run away from any company that kind of guarantees you anything. You know, I mean, my Facebook feed is full of 25 different companies I've never heard of uh, on a daily basis that all do Spotify promotion. Right. And um, it, it, to me, it's all, like, I, I don't know one company that I could refer people to in that department that I would actually trust, you know, in, 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 to be honest about it. So uh, it is definitely the wild, wild west. There's just a, so much bullshit, so much scamming, so much pay to play going on, um, you know, and, and I would I would caution folks. I mean, obviously, what just happened this week, you know, is, 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 a, is a cautionary tale. But. I would also caution people in terms of your marketing, you know, people are so obsessed with Spotify playlists and and whatnot. And I understand that, but you know, if you're going to just be in that, that column in, in that silo, you're, you're only going to exist in that silo. Like you have to, you can't not promote across the board. You still have to do radio. You still have to do online PR and you still have to do social media and you still have to do uh, DSP promotion, right? You have to do all of them. And I, and it sucks because it's a lot, it's a lot of work and it's a lot of money and a lot oh, of yeah. fun. But if you're just going to be in the, in the Spotify, uh, you know, echo, system, if you will, you're, you're going to be in trouble. I mean, I, you know, we get hired, bands will call us and it's like, we've got, you know, 20 million plays on this song, uh, you know, but we're, but, but we're not drawing anyone, you know, and I'll, I'll go to their show in Los Angeles. They literally will have, you know, millions of plays and they can't draw 10 people. Well, because, that's, that's part of Los Angeles. So. Yeah, but, you know, <laughs> nah, listen, but you know, I, you should I, be I, always I, able to, should always be able to draw here and, yeah. and, you know, the, the problem is, is people do have to remember that Spotify in a lot of ways is as great as it, great as it is, is still just kind of a library card system, right? You know, the old, the old, it, it, everything's there, but, mm-hmm. but you have to, it's passive, it, you know, it, it, and then playlists are passive. Like, you know, I'll listen to a playlist. I don't know who I'm listening to half the time or I, or the, or the playlist is playing and I get a phone call. And the band gets credit for that play, but I have no idea what I heard, you know heard of it. They're phantom plays, right? So, uh, you know, you got to be cautious on on just, uh, you know, I think when I look at the difference between non-com radio and Spotify, I always look at 
Spotify is making fans of a song in a lot of ways. And, and, I, and I feel like non-commercial radio is making fans of the artist because they're playing multiple tracks in rotation. And there's more of a connection there. Uh, you know, so when you're comparing the two, so that's what I would always just kind of caution people with uh, on Spotify. You know, we obviously all use it and we all like it. I just, I just think that you just have to kind of look at the bigger picture and, and be a little bit more well-rounded uh, yeah. in that world. I, I see Sam. Oh, go for it. Yeah, I was just about to say, I saw some, I saw Sam smirking and smiling and nodding. So oh, I like to react. <laughs> um, I, I, you know, living, living emoticons. Um, so I, for, for context for this, Adam, uh, I recently started advising a friend of mine who's a fashion publicist and launched his own firm. And it's been a very successful first six or seven months of business. Um, but it's given me a new appreciation for the craft of publicity and marketing uh, around a very competitive space. Coming from an artist management background for the past 10 years, I have been just so cynical about marketing in general of any type, playlisting, you know, least of all, but also press is a, is a tough game in music because it's very blog dominant and the blogs are losing power. And then the top press is like hard to reach. Radio is, of course, an uh, area of consolidation. And then we're talking about non-com, which, uh, you know, is very broad uh, and can get very deep, but also is not like a lucrative driver for publishing. So there's a lot of sort of like variables, risks and rewards um, and unknowns. And so what I want to ask you is um, when people are, when artists specifically are considering their marketing options and considering their sort of overall campaign spread, um, let's, you know, state for the record that short-term thinking helps nobody and that you know if you're trying to drive press in the next three months you're probably not going to get what you're looking for uh, or radio play for that matter but when we talk about dollar in dollar out when we talk about the roi um, generally what kind of uh patience and what kind of lead time and what kind of uh elements aside from the music being great and the artist being willing and budgeted, do artists need to be committing to and, and being prepared for in order to really kind of accomplish goals that, in your opinion, measure up as like a successful push? Yeah, well, I mean, I, I hate the fact that the word, the term ROI has ever even entered the conversation in the music business. Uh, you know, it's all these the damn tech MBA people and brought that in. Uh, yeah, you know, it's, it's, listen, you're going to have to spend money and uh, you're probably not going to see, you know, most art, most artists are overnight sensations three or five years in the making. <laughs> right. So, you know, in terms of really being serious and spending money and going for it, you know, the, the, the days of you know spend money here, see instant blow up results uh, three, four, five months down the line here uh, are, are I don't know if I don't know if I want to say over, but they're definitely you know it, it it just takes time these days. So I mean you know to do a to do a you know all these type of campaigns are kind of a step by step thing. You know a college radio campaign could. You know, could could set you back a couple grand. You know, a non-com campaign could could set you back. You know, four to four to five grand, depending on you know kind of how aggressive you're you're being. Uh, you know, and and then 
as you go to each format, it kind of goes, it goes up, right. In terms, in terms of that, you know, press could be, you know, on the low end could be, you know, anywhere from a thousand to $1,500 a month to, to two or three grand a month. You know, it, again, it depends on the, the scope of what you're doing and the size of the firm and how big your release is. You might be doing a press campaign for, for just one month and just doing like a, a standalone single or a video, or you might be doing an EP type campaign where you've got several assets coming out before that EP. So that might be a three, a three month campaign or a four month campaign, or you might be doing an album, same thing with multiple assets. And you might be doing that for, for four or five months. Uh, you know, so it definitely can get expensive for sure, for sure. Um, but I would tell yeah. you how much, how much money, time and effort did you spend making the record? And, uh, you know, the, the, the thought of just putting your record up on Spotify and people thinking that they're going to find it, it's just not going to happen. Like you've got to spend money on marketing. And, and I think that artists that, that do a bit of all of it are the ones that, you know, will win uh, in the end. But, but, you know, I, I think, but it, it will take time. You very well may, you know, might not be on this release. It might be on the next one, but the work that you did on this release will, will totally set up your next record. You know, especially, say- you know, your first, as a publicist on a, on a brand new artist, I'm spending two thirds of that campaign just explaining who the hell you are, where are you from, what right. are you about, what story, why do people care, right. and I'm finding fans. And you come back with another asset or another release, I, I don't have to do that. I've already got you know maybe a pool of 75 stations or you know or whatnot that I can go to from day one and say, hey, you played the last record. Let's let's jump on this and, and build on top, right? Uh, that's where you're, that's where you start seeing the payoff. I mean, the artists that we've had the most success at radio with have done two or three releases uh, in a row, you know, in, in short order. Maybe they did three EPs in two years or something. Um, and, and, and that's been kind of with overseas bands too, before they even come into the market, uh, you know, because it's so expensive to come here. So they, they put their money into promotion until there's a reason to come. Um, repetition, really key, you know, and again, that's just spending more money, you know, probably not what think, you really want to hear. That, it's actually not a bad response. And so kind of, it leads me to sort of my, my, my next like major sort of plot point on this, which is a, you know, as a manager of largely independent acts, who's also had the opportunity to sign some of those independent acts to major labels and seeing the, the, you know, pros and cons of that, <laughs> you know, being, uh, yeah. you know, not much yeah. of a difference just in terms of bigger budgets, but not much bigger results, or, or uh, in many cases, uh, independent artists that have smaller budgets and, and you know, smaller kind of investment, but bigger results because they have more control and they have more sort of like personal skin in the game, as it were. Um, I think what I want to kind of hear from you on the note of like repetition, on the note of like investing in it and really kind of being patient about driving it and, and not giving up. I think there's a lot of artists who would rely on things that are like guaranteed stream play platforms, et cetera, because they can kind of do like the math on like, okay, this many streams times this penny rate means I'm going to get this much money out. So it's only going to cost me net this, but of course they're not factoring in the collateral damage to their catalog and the bad audience that isn't there. Um, for those artists, who bring multiple projects to Planetary Group or friends of yours at other companies that do different things that you don't and can kind of like build a holistic and complete campaign that works. What are you seeing as the kinds of markers of uh, 
okay, this is working and this is worth continuing to invest in and continuing to double down on, as opposed to what I've seen all too often, which is, well, I didn't get any press in the first couple of months, or I'm not getting any radio in the first three months of my like six month campaign. So I want to cut it early when in reality, they probably even haven't hit the, 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 you know, the, the ribbon of gold under the dirt. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think that, I think that, uh, I think radio is, is you can definitely, you know, definitely on the college non-comp side, I think repetition really helps, you know, in, in terms of cutting through and, and, and building a story there. And, and like, I mean, we got three records right now in the top 200 from guided by voices because they've had three, they had three records out in 2020. Now, you know, that's a band that's been around forever, but they're not, they shouldn't be rele relevant to a bunch of 20 year old college students. But they are because they've had a consistent stream of music uh, and they've never kind of stopped sending music to that format. Right. So, you know, in that sense, repetition, you know, really works for them. You know, to have a top 20 record by that band is kind of on one level amazing and on another level absurd. Right. And, and uh, you know, so. So, yeah, I mean, I, I you know, having, you know, having a, a steady stream of music. Uh, not yeah, not giving up. I mean, you shouldn't be thinking on the radio side. You know, on the on the non-com college side, you should you should not have a DSP strategy as it as it relates to radio. You know, a lot of a lot of times people want us to send out three, four, five singles before the album comes out to college radio. They don't want that. They want the album. You know, so. Uh, it's, it's, it, it, it is going to be a fairly short kind of window, a burst of attention. You know, it might, it, you shouldn't be working a record for six months to college radio. A record is really only vi uh, viable to college radio for three months and then it's pretty much over. But if you can come back with something else afterwards, then, then great. Um, short burst. I'm not sure if I was to long, answer you. Long pressure. Yeah. Whereas non-com, mm -hmm. whereas on the non-com, it is more of a single by single thing, um, you know, but you shouldn't even be looking at non-com if you don't have kind of a story, you know, if, if, if to be a brand new artist and to be trying to get airplay right off the bat at some of the larger non-com stations is a really tall order. And they're going to be looking at, they, they are going to want to know what else is happening with this band. And so that's why you really have to take it step by step and take it slowly and try to build that build that story. Um, and, and that's one of the beauties of college is that, you know, you are, you are, uh, tapping into a passionate fan base that will hopefully engage with you, follow you on your social stream, your music on your Spotify, spread the word through their stations and through their friends. And so that you'll have more of a story going in, you know, if that goes well, you'd have more of a story going into larger things, whether it's, not you know a formal non-com campaign or a, or a PR campaign or whatever it may be down the line, uh, but that's why you shouldn't be skipping steps. You know, go do the easy shit first. Mm -hmm. College radio is shit. Yeah, uh, start you know, off there. Build, yep. build those steps, right? Uh, you're not going to recoup. It's not going to be sexy. But these are the people you want excited about your artist, and uh, you know, because as soon as we go to non-com, they're going to ask. You know, the larger stations are going to ask us. You know, how many streams, how many Shazams, what's mm -hmm. the live story, what's the this? Well, you know, it's just, a, it's just a long list of whys because they're basically looking for a reason not to do something, right? So, uh, which is even more so on the commercial level, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, 
so, oh, yeah. so, uh, so, so, so really to like really sum it up is if you want to, if you want to break radio, get started now, hire somebody like Adam, that's going to like get you, like, get you there because it, it is that, that first, that first step is the most work, you know, for the, you know, whatever company you are working with, it is the most work because they got to, they have to learn more about you. They have to draft all that up. So when it turns around the second time, they're like, okay, let's just change a few things. And then they have a whole new set of other challenges, but it doesn't make it a lot e any easier. It makes certain things easier, but the push there and you create that momentum. So yeah, I, I think listen, I, and, and to your point about you know press having a harder time, the blogs having a harder time. Yeah, I mean all those things are true, but I but I also you can't not do PR as well. We do PR as well at, at Planetary. Uh, you know, you still got to go after. You still got to have some press because I mean, if you just think about like when you're pitching larger writers, they're literally googling the band and seeing what's who else is writing about this band. Why do I care? What are what are what's this band's socials? How many followers? And who else is writing about it? And if nothing comes up, I mean, it's, if, if you're just looking, you know, if you think about press from a purely SEO standpoint, you gotta have, you gotta have shit on your page, right? Like there's gotta be stuff that mm -hmm. comes up other than your Bandcamp page and your SoundCloud link, and, you know, and your hometown paper, right? So mm -hmm. you gotta, you know, you still gotta do press and, 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 and that's where the, all the assets come in and, and the repetition comes, comes okay. in. It's because it gives you more opportunity to go right after on. All right. Radio's uh, awesome. A lot yeah. More, right. Yeah. Well, we, we do got to start wrapping up, uh, Adam. I mean, this is fantastic. I'd love to, we'd love to have you back because we can go deeper each time and there's so much to cover. It's, it's not Always. something that's, it's not like, Oh, here's radio and here's one thing to do about it. So, uh, Adam, it was, it was a pleasure. Thank you so much. Just stick around for a moment. Uh, we're just going to do a wrap up sure. screen. All right. Happy. Okay. And that's going to be it for today. Uh, thank you all for tuning in. If you want to continue the conversation, leave your comments below and stick around uh, for like the after show. We're going to be doing more of these after shows coming up in time. And uh, Thursday, we're going to be doing new thoughts. And that's going to be at 2 p.m. on Eastern time. And then we're going to bring back the free forum that we kind of do over on Twitch and everything. We got a lot going on. Check out musicindustrycity.com. You can sign up and register for free. We're also doing virtual reality networking events so we're actually in a completely different world doing all the cool stuff you don't even need a headset you can do it right from your desktop so musicindustrycity.com is where you can find out that information and you can also find us on your preferred podcast player once again thank you to sam tall and adam lewis have a rocking day peace <laughs>